as I thought about the 635 days of prayer and the number of times in my life that, that I've thought that the, and, and really believe and know that the only hope for our world and for us personally is that, that God sent a great revival because you can't look at the state of the world and be pleased. You can't look at it and think that God would be pleased with, with the way that we live and who we are and what's going on around us. And, you know, it's, it's nice that we're, no matter how old we are, I turned 71 and I, I got saved in 1977. So for a very long time, I've read God's word. I've been under the preaching of the word and the teaching and, and you hear things over and over again and you make some assumptions. And then when you're reading scripture, God opens us up to something that you probably read over, you know, a dozen times and never saw before. And such was the case recently with me because, um, I, when I thought about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think it's important to, because of the connection to revival, which hopefully I'll tie together. But when I thought about Sodom and Gomorrah, I always thought about the wicked, evil, terrible uh, immorality, the perversions, the abominations that they that they were committing and thought God was obviously right in destroying them. And there have been times when I've said, without any real reason, but it seemed to be a logical step, I made the statement that if, if uh, you know, if God looks at the way we're living and what's going on in our world and, and he doesn't destroy us, then he owes the people of Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Now, I don't know where that came from, but I've said it, and I, I really believe it. Um, but as I read through the Bible recently in Ezekiel 16, uh, verses 48 through 50, God showed me some really interesting things that, that I thought were were meaningful and maybe kind of uh, direct my heart as I pray for revival and as I pray about my own life because that verse that those verses say, "As I live, saith the Lord, Sodom thy sister hath not done; she nor her daughters, as thou hast done." Talking to Israel, thou and thy daughters. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now, again, I, when, when I get to that point, I'm thinking of the abominations and all this, the wicked deeds they did. But the abominations of this, the iniquity of thy sister Sodom was pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty. And after all that, they committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. And, you know, for the first time as I read that, um, and, and I was forced to reconsider the real sins of Sodom, which unfortunately I think are very prevalent today as well, sins of pride. You know, that ties back to Second Chronicles 7, where it talks about if my people will humble themselves. I think that our biggest problem everywhere is our pride. And even when we try to fight for what's right, we often do it with a prideful spirit. Uh, when we're standing and portraying and talking about our faith, we're kind of proud. Um, that's that's in the way of every single thing that we do. And as we think about revival, we think about the things that got Sodom destroyed. Pride was the first one listed. The second one was fullness of bread, which to me was self-reliance and independence. It's And, and in a prosperous country like America and some of the places you live and some places not so prosperous, but 
that there's a self-reliance and, and we feel like we don't need anything. And I can remember as a young Christian praying, you know, just almost unceasingly for one thing that I needed that I thought only God could do and praying and, and just thinking I could handle the other one myself because it was pretty easy. And you can imagine God answered the prayer and the hard one got solved and the easy one almost bankrupted me. So, you know, a really good lesson in, in learning how to turn everything over to the Lord and pray about it. And then the third one was, you know, that they were uh, idleness was, was part of their lifestyle. And we have so much free time and yet we're also busy. And, and we, we're, not, we're not busy doing what God wants us to do. Uh, we talk about it, but we're lazy, slothful, uh, not really stepping up and doing the things God would have us. Um, and then he talks about we're not helping and strengthening the hand of the needy and, and poor or the poor and needy. Um, to me, that just says we're selfish, self-centered, uh, and interested in what we need and taking care of ourselves. And, but all of those things are just very, very convicting to me. And they, they tell me a story of, you know, when, when the Bible says that even our filthy works, uh, that even our works, our best works are as filthy rags, uh, I think he's not talking so much about the fact that what we did wasn't any good. It's just the motive behind it and who we are and how we did it. And, and, and it says that we were haughty. And, um, you know, we've just gone through an election here, and I, I don't see a lot of humility on either side. And I don't care what side you're on. It's, you know, everybody's fighting and, and griping, complaining and know it all. And there's no spirit of love and compassion, understanding, humility. Uh, and I think God, that God's telling us that he doesn't like any of those things. And then it says, and then they committed abomination before the Lord. And, and you know, so then after being all these things, uh, God said they, they committed these abominations and therefore God destroyed them as he could, as he would. And so in the past, as, as I've thought about revival, and this is my main point, is I've, I've, I've always thought of terms of turning away from the things we are doing. And I think the emphasis in Ezekiel 19 or Ezekiel 16 seems to me more about who we are instead of what we do. And I think God, we know he wants us to be humble, to be faithful, to be independent on him, or to be dependent upon him, to care for one another, to be thankful, to be giving, to be kind, uh, and honor preferring one another, trusting him. And however, when, when we write the script, or at least when I do, I tend to think about the things I should be doing for God. And I think what God wants us to focus on is who we are and what we, what he wants us to be as opposed to what he wants us to do. And I think in the same way as God looks at, um, he wants us to love him for who he is and not for what he does for us or not for the gifts that he gives us or for, I mean, all of those things we should be thankful for. But he wants us to love him because he's holy, because he's all powerful, because he's the creator, because he's awesome, because he's our counselor, because he's master, because he's our friend, our judge. He's faithful. He's truth. And I think if we get our hearts focused on, you know, our own selves and our and, and same thing with everyone in the pews at our churches, 
if we can humble ourselves that way and focus on being what God wants us to be, the things that we ought to be doing will take care of themselves. And I think the abominations that we see happening all around us, um, I think those go away too, because if we are being what God created us to be, uh, people will notice that difference and they'll want to be like that and they will see Christ through us and the world will be a different place. So as I think about all of this tying back into Second Chronicles 7, it says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, the amazing thing about that is it starts with humble, with humility, and it starts with prayer, and it starts with seeking God's face. And I think we can only do that if, if we're really believing and doing as he would have us to do. So um, I still believe we're as wicked, if not more so, than the people were in Sodom. And I believe God will ultimately judge us uh, unless we do humble ourselves and become who he created us to be. Uh, and unless we share Christ's love and his care for, with others, and especially with those less fortunate than us. But I think we have a chance to do those things uh, by becoming what God wants us to be. And the, the God always, in, in his word, he always has these, these challenges and words that, that kind of throw fear into us, like we're worse than Sodom, and he destroyed Sodom and all these things. But you go on down in Ezekiel to verse 60, and God says, nevertheless, you know, there's so many times in the Bible where there's all this judgment, this pent up, but that God always gives us a way to escape. It says, nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto you an everlasting covenant. And it goes on to say that the people will realize what they've done and they will be ashamed. And at that point, God will renew them and will create a, a better life and, a, uh, and will establish his, reestablish his covenant with them. So I think we have that chance today. Uh, I, I think the people on this call know that. But uh, I, for me, it's encouraging to know that it's not dependent upon what I do, but probably more on who I am and what God can do through us. And I pray that uh, as we look at the world around us, we'll take some solace and some hope in realizing that the same God that made those promises to Israel makes those promises to us. And we can see these things happen if we follow him and if we're humble and, and rely on him and, and uh, are not haughty and take care of the things that he has, has for us to do. So that's my prayer today. Uh, I hope that's a challenge and encouragement to you.